Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs chapter 27. And in uh, verse number 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, I like being sharpened. I like friends that sharpen me. You know, I did preach this a little bit at the, for the teens, but I cut it short because I wanted to go out and, honestly, because I wanted to go out and play. <laughs> but I still had a bunch more verses and the Lord gave me some more verses and, you know, Griffey preached on friends. So, you know, what? I said, you know what, I'm just going to add on to this. And praise the Lord, I did, because I'm going to have to kind of sift through these notes because he gave me a whole nother passage. That, that's just the way it was. You know, I mean, I was going through this. I got like four pages. And I'm like, man, this is a whole nother message. And it was, it was on Pharisee friends. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to leave that one. I'm going to try to skip past some of those. But it's, it's a blessing to read through there. You know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want Pharisee friends. I want the, the, the friends where iron sharpeneth iron. You know, somebody that's going to come up alongside you. Polish you up a little bit. Talk with you. You know what I mean? Not be distant. You can't really sharpen nothing from over here, right, Gary? You got to get close. Like I, you know, you, you turns this, you know, these two, these two things into these edges. See what I mean? Not doing this. Not iron bangs against iron, but it rubs. Polishing them up. Sharpening them up. And just beside each other. You know, and sometimes that involves a little bit of, you know, it involves truth. It's been one week now since Pastor was here. We were here last week listening to Pastor. And I told Pastor, I said, I've known Pastor, Pastor's been teaching since I've been saved. And I seen Pastor back there and when he was sitting right leaning up against that chair and I told him, I says, Pastor, you look bad. This is the worst I've ever seen you. And I wasn't trying to sh- dole him, you know what I mean? And he goes, yeah, I just don't feel good. I said, buddy, you're looking pale. And I went to see him yesterday. You know, and you go in the hospital, you get kind of scared, you know what I mean? And I walked in there and I was like, you look pretty good. I mean, he looked really good, you know what I mean? I was like, you look a lot better than you did Wednesday, <laughs> you know, but... You know, he's still surgery, you know, he's hurting, he's got a scar that's just, you know, he wins the scar. Him and Dan got the scar competition going on right now. I think Pastor's gonna win though. I mean, I don't know what everybody else has got, but I'm, I'm not in the running, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you know, but he's, he looked good. I mean, he's got, he's got the five o'clock shadow going, but his face was all there, you know what I mean? And he was, you know, he was, he looked good. Now he did, he didn't look that good Wednesday. But praise the Lord, he's looking good now, you know. Just be able to come up alongside him. You know, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, they'll be there through you through when it's thick and thin. They'll be there for you when you get a little bit dull. Been there? I've been there. You just get a little bit dull. You're out in the world a little bit too long or just problems happen. You don't even have to be in the world. You can just, life can happen. You know, stress. Got too much on your mind, too much going on. You can't get it all done. Brother, why don't you let me help you out with that? Just let me sharpen you up. Let me help you out. 
It polishes you. Look at Romans chapter 12. Hold your... I guess you don't really need to. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And no, I'm not going to pastor's key verses 1 and 2. I'm going to keep moving down a little bit, down to uh, verses 14 and 15 and 16. So Romans chapter 12, verse 4 says, Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. I just like to read that because I I need to have that memorized. Amen. But it says right here in verse number 15, Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not the high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. You're like them. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. And weep with them that weep. Have you ever just pray with them that pray? You know, praise with them that are praising the Lord, you know. I like getting around like Brother Lutrick. I remember one time I probably told this story before, but we was out there in Walla Walla with Brother Gary Lutrick, and we're all out there behind in uh Matthew Hunter's backyard, and Gary Lutrick's there, and everybody's telling stories about praising the Lord, and the Lord did this, and the Lord did that, and the Lord, and it wasn't a one-up mentality, you know what I mean? It was just people praising the Lord, and just, but you get around being around evangelists that's just got all these different stories of going to churches, and people getting saved, and people he met, and this and that, and you're just all, you know what I mean? You're just praising with them that are praising, you know what I mean? Rejoicing with them that are rejoicing, and then sometimes when stuff goes, you know, stuff happens, you know, you got to weep with them that weep. What is that? It's just coming up alongside them, sharpening them up, just being there for somebody. Polish you. They get rid of the dullness. They comfort you. Turn over there to 2 Corinthians. This might be a shocking verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Second Corinthians chapter seven, and then verse number four says, "Great is my boldness of speech towards you; great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort; I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulation. For when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings; within were fears. Nevertheless, that nevertheless God that comforteth comforteth." Those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. So God sent somebody to comfort them? What says? You know, a brother ought to comfort you. A friend should comfort you. Even like when I had to tell pastor, pastor, you don't look good. He knew he didn't look good. But that's the most pale I've ever seen him. But even there just to be there with anybody. I mean, Paul's going through some stuff right here. And he says, you know what? They was comforted by Titus coming. He heard that. And everybody rejoiced in that. And Paul even says it later, the next verse, I believe. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you. And 
when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. He's just taking pleasure in a friendship, rejoicing in it. The accountant says, friend. Paul got sharpened. The people got sharpened. And they got comforted. And when I'm comforted right now, his pastor's doing good. He's doing a lot better than he was a week ago. Amen. You know what? I don't like the ones that polish themselves on you. You know what those ones are? Those are goats. <laughs> Let me explain that a little better. <laughs> a deer, a goat, will come over there and he'll get his head right in there close and he'll polish that rack on a tree. I know that's not iron. But when the Lord spit in that one guy's face and healed him of his blind, he says, what do you see? He says, I see man as trees. And he also says, you're supposed to bear fruit. Well, iron doesn't bear fruit. The trees bear fruit. And goats like to go over there and thrash on them trees. And they polish themselves on it. And they polish themselves on it. They say, man, I look good. And they polish themselves on it. They ain't sheep. They're going to separate the goats from the sheep at the end of that. I don't like people coming over, you know, and try to make you look bad. And make them look good. You know what I mean? And Stephen themselves better than you. That's one of those passages in there. The Pharisees, it says, uh, and Jesus spake this parable unto them, the certain of the Pharisees, or certain of them that trusted in themselves that they were more righteous and despised others. That's yeah, a bunch of goats, you know. They're just going to polish them up. Work those trees down. What's neat about this is I see men as trees. You ever think like, oh, oh Jesus messed up? That's in there for a reason. I'm going to keep going. I don't want a bunny trail. That's a, that's a quick bunny trail right there. It's in their character to polish themselves. You'll see it in the workplace. You'll see it in uh, social media. I got more friends than they got. I'm better than them. Me, 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 me. Not wee, 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 wee. Anyhow. Look at, uh, look at 1 Samuel. I think this is one of the, one great example. 1 Samuel chapter 17. People that just aren't happy for you. People that just think they're better think they're more deserving of things. People that don't want to sharpen you. People that want to make you dull. 1 Samuel chapter number 17 and verse number 57. This is a very fam famous passage. This is David and Goliath. David has just slain Goliath. He's now, he's, a, he's, a, he's carrying the head back. I mean, he's triumphant. Everybody's rejoicing. And I mean, you're going to see one of the best things of a friend right here. Well, right after it, you're going to read some of the one of the worst. I mean, this great victory happens. First Samuel chapter number 17, verse number 57. It says, as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine 
Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. I like that. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou, the young man? And David answered, I am the son of thy servant Jesse the Bethlehemite. And 18. And it came to pass when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. You know what he did? He gave him everything that he had. That was everything that was important to him. You know what he did? He just sharpened up his countenance. This was there for him. I mean, they, he loved him, man. Not that even David needed that, but he was just, just a shepherd. Didn't have much. Had a sling, a couple rocks. Well, that's all you got. That's all he needed. But now he's got a whole bunch more. And David went, verse number 5, And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the other men of the war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. You know what that says? It says they came alongside him. They accepted him. They just came over and said, Man, that was awesome. That was great. I can't believe that. You know, you did that. And he wasn't just like this little boy. You know what I mean? We always, I mean, we're all, this is the, the crowd. We all know that he was, he was a man. And he wasn't no wussy. And he wasn't this little, I did that by myself, you know. <laughs> you know, it was just, and he was David. In verse number six, and it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, that the woman came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said that they have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. And what can he have but more than the kingdom? You know what? Be careful for people that aren't happy for you. Amen. Avoid them. I do. I don't know if that's biblical. I might want to track that, but you know what I mean? Some of those people that just, they, they, you know they're going to polish themselves. You know they're just going to put you down. They know they're just going to, they're not happy in life. They need the Lord. You know, you got to be careful for those people. They aren't happy about you. Happy about your victories. Maybe even the courage you have for the Lord. Oh, you go to church every day, yeah? Yeah? Oh, you had to go through that? Yeah, the Lord got me through it. And they don't want to hear that. Especially if they know they should have done it. I think that's kind of what half part Saul. Saul, use the tallest one out there. Use the head and shoulders tall above everybody else. He knows he was the one that's supposed to go out there and do it. Wasn't David? But he ain't gonna sharpen him. 
don't like your courage, don't like your faith. But when you accomplish something, I don't care for that neither. You're going to be evil about it. Don't care for the victories, the battles that you fought. The battles you got victories over with the Lord. And you look at it number in chapter blah, blah, verse number nine it says, And Saul eyed David from that day forward, and it came to pass on the morrow that an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand, and as other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it, and David avoided out of his presence twice. Watch out for those people with critical spirits. I mean, that's a tough, that's the king, man. He got an evil spirit. That's what the Bible says. Wants to kill him. Wants to do more than that. Pursues after him. They even got nothing good, nice to say until after he slid his skirt. And those other times we know those passages. But that spirit, that attitude, that is still there today in people. They don't like it. They ain't interested in sharpening you. <laughs> They're interested in sticking you to the wall. <laughs> I mean, I've been there. They got it out for you. You got to watch out. I'm John Wagner. I got this from John Wagner down there in Philippians. It says, I've learned there with every state to be content. He says you got three types of people. You got the people that are content in the faith, you got the contenders of the faith, and you got the contentious. <laughs> and, you know, and I, I thought about that. I said, you know what, he's right. So I wrote that down. I got that from old John. Look at Nehemiah. Go to the book of Nehemiah. I know he's there before, but Iron sharpeneth iron. So the man sharpened the countenance of his friend. Nehemiah chapter 2. We've already went through. Nehemiah's he did his prayer. You know, he asked the king. Now he's on his way there to Jerusalem. And he's... Uh, He's got the letters from the king in verse number 8. But then as soon as he gets in verse number 9, then I came to the governors beyond the river and, and gave the king's letters. Now the king had sent captains of the army and the horsemen with me. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Really, that's how pe some people are. I mean, the children, the children of Israel. Not just the people, but the children too. You're going to have these kind of people always in your life. They're not going to go away, but they're just, they're just sand ballots and they're Tobias. They're not there to sharpen you, but through the Lord, they're there going to be there to strengthen you. Look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. Verse number, or chapter number 4 and verse number 1. But it came to pass when Sanballat heard that he rebuilded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews 
And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews, will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? I mean, man, he's a, he's a real sharpener in that guy right there. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, is a, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. This is Nehemiah's prayer. <laughs> I don't recommend always praying like this, but God's got this prayer in here for a reason. Hear, O God, for we are, dis- we are despised, and turn their reproach upon their own head, and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. And cover not their iniquity, and let not their sin be blotted out from before thee, for they have provoked thee to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half, unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. You know, I like that. And you look over there in verse number 21, right in the same chapter. So we labored. So we labored in the work. The half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Iron sharpened with iron. They're just going to work beside each other. Well, you look at verse number 7. Just look at this. Sometimes them dullards like to bring other people. Sometimes you can have multiple people that are just dullards. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah, look, now they got more recruits, and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jerusalem were made up and the breaches began, he stopped and they were very wroth. Started out with two. Now you're into four. Going into five. Let me see if I got the right. Look what the Bible says about him right here. In chapter number 6, verse number 1. So it says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of our enemies. And some people just like that. They're not your friends. They're your enemies. And I get it. As much life in you live peaceably with all men, but some people ain't there to be your friend. They're just not. But in the church house, and even sometimes in the church house, there's even sand ballots and Tobias. And you'll find them if they're trying to dull you. Amen. Okay, go to First Kings. First Kings. I'm gonna finish up here. First Kings chapter number seventeen. Did I write that down right? No, 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 I didn't write that down right. I apologize. Second Kings chapter number five. I have no idea how I wrote that down like that. All right. I don't have dyslexia. I think I got ADHD, but I don't know if that works at all either. <laughs> Remember I told that to pastor the one time I says, yeah, when I, 
I says, when I used to have ADHD, he goes, used to. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, he's still working on me. But I see here, uh, this is Naaman. Naaman gets healed. Naaman was a leper in 2 Kings chapter 5. And he goes down here. And in verse number 9, you know, he gets, he gets that letter from the king. The king sends him off because of what that little girl said. You know, he gets all the way down there. Now he's going to go stand before Elijah, Elisha, right? And he's got this obedience issue. It says, So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be queen. You know what's going to happen? His countenance is going to get clean. But before he does that, he's going to get real angry. And Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out of me, out to me, and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farper rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in a, in a wrath. Or went away in a rage. You know, sometimes your expectations, you're just better off listening to what the Lord says. I can do this a better way. And then all, that all comes into obedience. Just listening to the Lord, trusting in what He has to say, and just doing that. But all that to go to these guys. These little servants that don't get any credit. But they are good little sharpeners. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldest thou not have done it? How much rather than when he saith thee wash and be clean? Then he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. You know what they did? They just came up alongside him. You know what? He just told you to do something easy. It's so much easier. I mean, we don't got to go fight a battle. We don't have to do this. We don't have to do that. Just go down and dip yourself in the in the river seven times. Fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they convinced him. They sharpened him up. They changed his mind. His countenance was changed. He goes through it. He enters into the river. He gets did seven times. Comes back up. Has this real realization that there's no other God except for the one that's in Israel. Goes all the way to Elijah, and he admits it. And he says, you know what? His whole countenance has changed. Man, just take all the stuff I got. We brought all this for you. We got all this stuff for you. And he says, look, man, Elijah said, I don't want none of that stuff. I don't want none of it. You just keep it all. Just keep it. But then you got old Gehazi. And Gehazi, we know the story. He chased after that. and You know, you don't even know if he was... How he was, you know, it's just there's not a lot on Gehazi, you know. But you know, he chased after the money, ran after this, ran after that, and then all of a sudden the leprosy stuck to him. Remember that? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sad thing. What he's chasing after, if you all remember that story, read on it. It's a great passage. And I don't know if that's what all led into chapter number six. But it says in chapter number 6, verse 1, it says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. I'm like, whoa. You know what I mean? 
We don't really, I don't know if it was just because Gehazi, you know, they, he was the servant of Elijah, Elisha. And all of a sudden, he kind of got, you know, God judged him. The leprosy went out there because he, he, he did all those things. And these guys were just stood back kind of far off and went, whoa. I don't know if that's why. They said, well, we want to go build this, our own little place off over here because this place is just too straight for us. Verse number two, let us go, we pray thee unto Jordan and take thee every man. Excuse me. Let us go, we pray thee unto Jordan and take thee every man a beam and let us make us a place wherewith we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. You know, they're just going to go someplace else. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I'll go, I'll go. Man, I just find that interesting. Because, I mean, I don't understand. I'll just be honest. I don't understand the whole passage. I've heard Brad Whitbrock preach a passage, and it was a house or a church building kind of program out of this passage. It was phenomenal. I still don't even, I mean, it's, Brad was the only one I know who even preached that. But it was great. So he went down with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. And he helped them. But as one was felling a beam, the axe, he, as, but as one was felling a beam, the axe had fell into the water. And he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. You know what he did? He lost his edge. He ain't got nothing to cut with no more. He lost his wedge. That's how that little axe handle falls out. You lose that wedge. Comes out of there. Then you're dull. Last master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place that he cut, and he cut down a stick and cast thither to, and the iron did swim. It's even iron. Therefore he said, Take thee up, and he put it out of his hand, and he took it. Iron sharpened with iron. I tell you what, he got his iron back. He was pretty happy. But you know, I, I don't go to, if I need sharpening, I don't go to the people out in the street. I'm going to talk to a brother in Christ. If I need sharpened, I'm not going to go to the counselor at the high school or the psychologist at the college or the hospital for that matter. There's a word of God right here. There's plenty of brethren in here. And you know what? In verse number 5, that guy that he went with knew that. When he lost his cutting edge, when he lost and he's sharp and he wasn't, he said, as one was felling the beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, Master, for it was borrowed. He cried out to Elisha. i got to get it straight every time. Elisha. (laughs) And you know what? I think it's kind of funny because you know what that, you know what the one guy was falling? He's falling a big old beam. And he goes to the man of God who didn't lose his cutting edge. And you know how he fixed the problem? By cutting down a stick. <laughs> that's funny, man. I don't know. That's, that's funny. Yeah, let me go. I mean, you're like, chop, chop, chop. Yeah, did you see that? And he comes over and goes, Okay, go ahead, take it up. <laughs> what? You know, I mean, just so easy. You know. 
I said, the Bible's funny. You just gotta, you just can't fly right through it, you know. There's some funny stuff in there, man. But he never lost his cutting edge. He knew who to go to to fix the problem. And he changed his countenance. Turn over to Proverbs chapter 27 again. We'll finish up right here. Proverbs chapter 27 and in verse number 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart, so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. You know where you're going to get hearty counsel from when you get from a friend? Right here. I testimonies, I counsel. I mean, you go through all those psalms and they, they, all they talk about is this book. You read the book, oh, it talks about the book. It talks about other people. And the people, every time you read, every time you're going to find a revival, you know what they did? They opened the book. Every time. Every time. Preacher come in there, what is he doing? He's preaching the book. Nehemiah, what they did? They opened the book. Josiah, what they did? They opened the book. Just kept opening the book. The real sword that's going to sharpen you is this book. That's what's going to sharpen you. Ephesians 6, 17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Only one of those part of those armors of God. You need to have them all, but man, this book is important. It's preached on every Sunday. A lot of times it's read and sometimes it's not. But it's powerful. The only reason I'm up here, I mean, amen. only reason you're here today, amen. Hebrews chapter 4, memory verse, and we'll close with this verse. The Lord's been good. It says, for the word of God, I apologize, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says, for the word of God is quick. It means alive. It means alive. Don't read this book like it's dead. Don't read this. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. I mean, yeah, that's still... I get it, you know what I mean? But the Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I mean, that is just a powerful verse. I used to think that verse, the heart is desperately wicked, and above all things, who could know it? And the heart verses have always stood out to me in Scripture. Because I always want to have a right heart with the Lord. I want to have a right heart with the brethren. I just want to have a right heart. Those verses over there in, in Chronicles and Kings and Samuel, this king did this, and, and he was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a right heart. 
Buddy, you're going to answer for that when you're at the judgment seat. You're going to get their reward as the Lord said it. But man, you approach that Word of God with the right heart and He starts talking to you. It's the same as when a, it's more than when a friend just comes up and and sharpens your countenance. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'll be reading and I I got all excited the one time. I get all, I get excited and all of a sudden I start pacing around. Because I'm thinking and talking to the Lord and I'm just excited that I got this, you know. And I'm like, why don't I just keep reading? And then I'll, and keep reading, you know what I mean? That's just the way I, I get excited, you know what I mean? Because it's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's helped me. Has it helped you? What a friend we have in Jesus. That's sort of the way. How do you have a relationship with the book? Amen. Brother Gabriel, would you close us in prayer?